0: been a great service. Thank you, Mary Beth, for uh, sharing your heart, sharing, you know, what a perfect time to just share about so many things in life that, that can lead you to a place of complaining, but allowing it to take you to, to gratitude and trust in God. And thank you, Sam, for a great teaching on uh, on contribution, on giving with our heart and with our uh, attitudes as well. My question for you this morning is, how is no Complain vimber going for you? That, that was our challenge last week was... A month of not complaining. Once again, once December first rolls around, you can complain all you want. Just kidding. But November, no complaining in November. How's it going? It's been yeah, no complaints. Amen. It uh, for some of you maybe it's been a breeze. I I think for me, I have uh, realized that there's a lot I could complain about. Right? You become more aware of the little things when you're trying not to complain. Wow, I. I really do complain a lot. I would complain about this, or complain about that, and it's it's kind of eye-opening. In fact, it makes me think of my one of my favorite words. The word is peccadillo. You guys know this word? It's one of my, you know, we find a cool word, you, you just hang on to it. I love the word peccadillo. It just means like a slight offense, like a, A small grievance against somebody. I like it because it paints a picture. I think of an armadillo. It probably has nothing to do with that. But just a little (laughs) annoying armadillo. Just a little peccadillo. Just a little something in your life that upsets you or bothers you. And all throughout this week, as I'm trying not to complain, there's been so many peccadillos coming at me in different directions. Now you're thinking of an armadillo. That's okay, right? But there's these things that come at us in different ways. As we're trying not to complain, for us in our our household, uh, my son got pink eye this week uh that's that's no fun he's good now in case you're like my kids down there with him no he he, we're all clear as a family but that that was a little peccadillo it just came in a slight offense and it was it was an issue and I had to hold him down in like a military hold and give him eye drops and you know it was was rough in the Rosenquist household we had some car issues you know it rained you know we all talked about the great weather last week and then this week it was like oh raining every day or it's just you know a downpour um the drivers on the road did not go the speed that I wanted them to go. The crazies were driving faster than me, and the idiots were driving slower than me. Um, now, that, that's my, my sinful attitude came out, driving. Um, and just even as I talked about getting frustrated or impatient at Panera, the little thing, the little circle wheel came up at the, at the kiosk again, and I was tempted to get frustrated, and I was like, no, no. I'm just grateful for coffee. I can wait an extra two seconds for this thing to go away. But these little things, that was my veiled, you know, now I can vent about all these things. I'm not complaining about them. I'm just saying these things pop up, right, as you're trying not to complain. And those are the small things. But sometimes as you're trying not to complain, and, and often as you're trying just to live your life, bigger things come up, right? Those small things we can kind of laugh about. Yeah, I shouldn't complain, and we're working on that. But sometimes there's really big things, things that really grip us, things that hold us down, weigh us down. And I had a few conversations with some individuals this week, and they're like, this heavy thing is going on in my life, but I don't want to complain. And I was like, okay, to acknowledge that something bad is going on in your life, to bring it forward, that's not complaining. It's kind of what we do with it that makes it complaining. Are we willing to take it to God, or we just kind of stay there with this weight, with this thing that's going on in our life? And so I wanted to to, kind of clarify a little bit that not complaining doesn't mean it's all good, it's all good, it's all, you know, just wishful thinking and uh, mind over matter, it's all all my problems will go away. No, we got to deal with and acknowledge the problems. They don't go somewhere. In fact, some, some of us are dealing with issues over, over months and over years that's probably not going anywhere, but this time can help us go from an attitude last week of, of grumbling to one of gratitude. And today what we're talking about is a, a dealing with problems and allowing that to drive us ...toward praise. From problems to praise is our message this morning. Dealing with more than peccadilloes. Um, we, we, we deal with different issues, and when we bring things to God, it provides perspective. Dave Tharp reminded me of a, a quote from one of my favorite authors, and uh, it's Mark Batterson. And what he says is, it's okay to talk to God about your problems, but at some point you have to talk to your problems about God. Right? It's, it's fine, we're supposed to take our problems to God, but at some point in the process... We have to be reminded or remind ourselves, but God is bigger. God is in control. God is with me through this challenge. One of the reasons that we complain or that we get stuck is that our God is too small or too far away. It feels like we're alone, plagued by a problem, and the idea of God being there feels like a myth or an empty promise, or something you just say to make somebody feel better. Right? It can feel like, "Okay, yeah, God is with me," but I'm not not experiencing that. I'm not feeling that. And this is what happens when we put God far away or when God is too small in our minds. It's possible, as we read about Jesus on the cross, that he might have felt this way. Turn with me over to Matthew 27. and the story of the crucifixion, we get to a point where Jesus is, is kind of in his final moments on the cross, and he cries out to God. And at first glance, his words are a little bit jarring. I don't know if you remember reading this for the first time and kind of scratching your head. Why, why, why is this what he's saying? Maybe you related to it. Maybe it seems surprising to you. But what he says in verse 46, we'll read this together. About three in the afternoon, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Eli, Eli, lema sabachthani, which means, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And you get this, this picture, possibly, of Jesus on the cross feeling forgotten, feeling abandoned, feeling forsaken by God, as if God was far away, had turned away from him. And it's amazing, as we read in Hebrews, that Jesus can relate to our feelings. We see that at various points in in Jesus' life, where he struggles or he wrestles, and we see, again, in Hebrews, this connection that Jesus can relate to us, which is powerful. You know, what we're talking about today is our need for a magnifying glass, or our need for a telescope. What does a magnifying glass do? It makes small things big. What does a telescope do? It makes things far away closer. And so spiritually, we need, uh, when we feel this, this, this feeling, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Where are you, God? What's going on? And we're overwhelmed by our problems. We need God to be closer. We need that telescope, right? We need God in our life to be bigger. We need that magnifying glass. But what if there was a way for us to magnify God over our problems? Or to remember that God is never far away or that our circumstances can't possibly affect God and his love. Like if we had a biblical magnifying glass or a biblical telescope that we could see how close God is. What's cool is in scripture, I believe that God provides us with the right tool for this. And it's smack dab in the middle of your Bible. You know, you often turn there when you just open it. Not Isaiah, but right next to it. (laughs) It's the Psalms. God gives us a whole book, 150 chapters, some are short, some are really long, but 150 chapters of just human emotion turning towards God. Times of frustration, times of challenges, times where David was overwhelmed or different authors of the Psalms were overwhelmed and where they brought their problems to God. And we see in the pages of the Psalms the problems morph into praise. And we're going to camp out a little bit in the Psalms Today And look at this tool that God has given us to help change our heart, to bring God closer and to make God bigger in our lives. Let's go ahead and pray together. Father, thank you so much for the cross. Thank you so much for your love for us, for entering into our lives, for being able to relate to us. But God, in setting an example from going from from being overwhelmed by problems and issues to stepping in and, and giving us perspective to see you more clearly so that we can follow you. Uh, intimately, God, so that we can follow you all the days of our lives. In your Son, Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. So to kind of prove this, we'll go to Psalm 22 together, that God has given us the Psalms to help change our perspective, to shape our perspective when we're in the thick of it. So we're going to go through Psalm 22 together. This is, by the way, the Psalm that Jesus was quoting on the cross. And he didn't have to say the whole thing. He just had to say just the beginning. You know, I I wonder, this isn't scholarly, this is just James's wonderings, (laughs) but I wonder if Jesus, it says that he was about to breathe his last, I wonder if he was out of breath, and all that he could get out were these words. Right? And maybe the rest of the prayer he prayed silently. But we see that this is what he's quoting. And the audience, the, the people in the crowd, they would have known exactly what he was talking about, because the Psalms were the playlist of the Jewish people. It's the the songs that they would sing and and talk through, and they would go through annually these psalms and and get redirected back to God. So let's read this together in uh, verse 1, Psalm 22. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me, so far from my cries of anguish? My God, I cry out by day, but you do not answer. By night, but I find no rest. You you see the agony in these words and the the, the feeling of abandonment, feeling, where is God when I need him? I thought God was supposed to have my back. What is going on? But then look in verse 3. Yet you are enthroned as the Holy One. You are the one Israel praises. In you our ancestors put their trust. They trusted and you delivered them. To you they cried out and were saved. In you they trusted and were not put to shame. You see here this, this realignment, just a little bit. Anytime you see the word but or the word yet in your Bibles, that's important, right? There's something, there's something important going on there, but there's this reader, but you're enthroned. You're, you're God on high. You have delivered your people in the past. I know this to be true. And you see, by the way, this was written a 1,000 years before Jesus was on the cross, written before crucifixion even existed, right? And there's, this is a prophecy talking about what Jesus is gonna go through. But as, as, as we read these words, you just see this redirection of, I'm, I'm overwhelmed, I'm surrounded, but I know that you're big, God. But he still acknowledges the issues. Verse 6, but I'm a worm and not a man, scorned by everyone, despised by the people. All who see me, mock me, they hurl insults, shaking their heads. He trusts in the Lord, they say. Let the Lord rescue him. Let him deliver him since he delights in him. He's feeling this. This aloneness, this—I'm surrounded by my enemies. This is this is this is miserable. They they are mocking me. You know, I I share this when I study the Bible with people, and we talk about the cross. This would be—I wouldn't make it this far in the the crucifixion journey, but if I made it this far, this would be my breaking point. When Jesus is on the cross, and his enemies think that they're winning, right? They say, "Okay, come down. We'll we'll believe you if you come down." That would be my moment to be like, "Okay, let's talk." You know, we're we're. we're Let's have a conversation here. But instead, Jesus, he doesn't just go to the cross, but he stays on the cross, which is this powerful picture. And he does that because of what we read here, that, that he's going to see God in this. In verse 9, yet you brought me out of the womb. You made me trust in you, even at my mother's breast. From birth, I was cast on you. From my mother's womb, you have been my God. Do not be far from me. Or, for trouble is near, and there is no one to help. And then he goes on and explains what the trouble is that's surrounding him. Many bulls surround me, strong bulls of Bashan encircle me. Roaring lions that tear their prey open their mouths wide against me. I am poured out like water and all my bones are out of joint. My heart has turned to wax, it is melted within me. My mouth is dried up like a potsherd, and my tongue sticks to the roof of my mouth. You lay me in the dust of death. Dogs surround me, a pack of villains encircle me. They pierce my hands and my feet. All my bones are on display. People stare and gloat over me. They divide my clothes among them and cast lots for my garment. You see just the, the, the trouble, the problems that the, the author of this psalm is facing. But again, all that Jesus is facing when he's on the cross, as he's going through all of this pain. And, and by the way, again, this is a prophecy if, if you know someone, if you're struggling in your faith, you know, do I really know that God is real? You have to answer this question. How is this written a 1,000 years before Jesus was here? You can't be an atheist and not be able to answer this question. It's illogical. It's incorrect. And so we, we, we have to wrestle with some of these things, right? But it's, it's powerful that, that this was a prediction, that this is a prophecy. But that's not what we're talking about today. It's just kind of a side note. But rather that Jesus is going through all this but he's bringing it, he's redirecting his heart to God. And we see that kind of in verse 19 through 31 here. He picks it back up and the attention goes back to God. Verse 19, but you, Lord, do not be far from me. You are my strength. Come quickly to help me. Deliver me from the sword, my precious life from the power of the dogs. Rescue me from the mouths of the lions. Save me from the horns of the wild oxen. I will declare your name to my people in this, the assembly. I will praise you. You who fear the Lord, praise him. All you descendants of Jacob, honor him. Revere him, all you descendants of Israel. For he has, uh, he has not despised or scorned the suffering of the afflicted one. He has not hidden his face from him, but has listened to his cry for help. For you, uh, from you comes the theme of my praise in the great assembly. Before those who fear you, I will fulfill my vows. The poor will eat and be satisfied. Those who seek the Lord will praise him. May your hearts live forever. AKA, it is finished, right? And so Jesus, even there's there's an estimation that the very end, when Jesus dies on the cross and says, it is finished, he's finishing this psalm. He has done it, it is finished. And so there's this picture that Jesus on the cross, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? My problems are so heavy, but I need to look to God. I need God, I need to redirect my attention. God is not far from me. He's not small in this picture. He is big and he's with me. And if Jesus needs that reminder, we need it too. We need this reminder that God is with us, that God is involved and active in our life. It brings me comfort that Jesus had something to bring him comfort in that dark moment that was brought about by my sin. He could cling to the psalm as people mocked him and cast lots for his clothing as his bones were out of joint. He turned to the psalm and it generated perspective. It brought him back to God. What can the Psalms do for you in your life as you're out of of focus at different times? What can the Psalms do for you in bringing God closer? They can give us hope. They can help us lament properly. They can give us reminders of who God is. It's a a powerful exercise to get a reminder of, of the power that God has, and as a Christian, the power that we have as well in a relationship with God. I was wrestling really hard with what, what illustration can I use to, to show that, that the power of the reminder of who we are in God? And I promise I tried to think of something profound and elegant, but I, the only thing I could think of was the cinematic masterpiece, Space Jam. And uh, so follow me here. If you haven't seen this movie, I'll, I'll, I'll summarize it in just a little bit. But there's these small aliens. This is uh, the movie starring uh, Michael Jordan. Um, and Bugs Bunny, I believe, is, is how it was tagged. But uh, these small aliens uh, get the powers of Charles Barkley and some other professional NBA players, right? And so uh, they, they get a lot bigger than they're shown in this picture here. They get, they get huge, and at the very end of the movie, they're being picked on by their boss, who was bigger than them when they were this size, but they are much bigger than him now. And he's like, when we get back to Moron Mountain, we're going to have a conversation. And, and Michael Jordan walks up, <laughs> you guys are following me, right? Okay. <laughs> Michael Jordan walks up and goes, why, why do you let this guy pick on you? And these, these guys that really think small, they think like they're these little aliens. They go, because he's bigger. And then they realize, than we used to be. And it clicks, and they're like, we're not taking it from you anymore. And, and, and then they get, anyway, it, it gets better. But I love this realization. <laughs> he's bigger than we used to be, right? And the Psalms can be like Michael Jordan in our lives saying, why are you taking this from all your problems? Don't you realize you have the power of the Holy Spirit? You have God. You're bigger than you think you are because you're with God. He's bigger than he used to be in your mind, right? He's close to you. Did that work? You following? Okay. <laughs> you can go watch the movie. It's a great, great film. But, but we need that reminder. He's, he's bigger than we think he is. He's closer than we think he is right, and we we need this reminder, I need this reminder, recently, I've been just, not recently, maybe all the time, I just get overwhelmed easily by life, and different things going on, and I really wanted to hold on to God as my refuge, and I needed help to slow down and do that, and for me, I can read the Psalms, but I'm kind of like Mary Beth, I can't sit still, and I, I don't have faith exercises yet to work on, and I just can, can read really quickly, but, uh, I started writing down the psalms and uh, trying just to write them down word for word. Some days I, I sit down longer because it's a longer psalm. Sometimes it's seven or eight verses. But I've been writing them down, and then after I write them down, I go back and highlight how is God with me. How do I see him as a refuge, right? And I go back and read it. And it just slows me down to see, okay, God is with me. God is at the helm. God is, is big. He is present in this moment. It's been a really healthy exercise for me. It helps, too, to pray through the psalms. If you've been stuck, if you've been dealing with issues, pray through the psalms. If, if you feel stuck in your relationship with God, you've been stuck in your prayer life, if you will just start, the, the jump start to that is I'm just going to pray daily through one psalm. And I'm going to say the words, and I might not have enemies, but maybe I can find some sort of, it's just going to change my heart to pray through, through these psalms, even if they talk about, deal with my enemies severely or whatever it is. It just changes our heart because we see going to God helps Right? And we're using the tools that God has given us to bring God closer. And God is close, by the way. It's not that God is ever far away. God is with us. We just don't feel that sometimes in the heat. I was reading a, a, a book, and it talked about a silversmith. And she was describing her process of grabbing the silver and putting it into the flames. And it's getting hot, and it's melting. And uh, someone was asking her, so what do you do while it's in there? And what she said is, I can't take my eyes off of it for one second. While it's in the heat, while it's roasting, while it's melted, while it's being molded, I'm watching it nonstop. And it was this portrait of God. When we're in the heat, when we're going through his pruning process and his smelting process and his refinery, we can feel like, okay, God's like, it's like a a cake, right? He put me in the oven and he's going to come check on me in a little bit. But it's not that. He's watching And he's saying, okay, I'm with you, I'm right here. And I I love that picture. God describes himself as a silversmith in the Bible as well. Psalms can change our heart. We won't look at it today, but Psalm 73 is a great example. If you're in your journey, if you're feeling like, is this worth it? This is the Psalm for you, right? The the Psalm, basically it starts with, why would I try to be righteous? All the people that are unrighteous have it way better their life is easy their schedules free they have more money in the bank account i'm summarizing right but that's that's kind of how the song goes and it's it's a long thing and you're like hey no complaint november what's this guy doing and it's this long thing and then all the way at the end but then i entered the sanctuary of the lord and i realized their destination and i realized who god actually is and it changed everything and you read through that and it's so relatable if you get a chance Read through that. Read through it in the message translation. That can be helpful, too, if you've read it before. Mix it up with a different translation. But it helps to turn to the Psalms and take your problems to God and allow him to redirect you to praise. Some of us in this room, some of you in this room, have been stuck in your problems for a long time. And instead of allowing those problems to lead you to praise... They've been caked on by a layer of problems and complaining and grumbling. And instead of turning to God, you've remained stuck. And instead of recognizing that God is is close, in your mind you've, you've kept God at arm's length. God has remained small and your problems have remained big. And what you post about on Facebook, what you talk about to each other, what consumes your life is all the problems and the praise is missing. No more. No more. Two words for us this morning, and it's, it's time. It's time to praise God. Our theme for December, little spoiler alert, is sing a new song to the Lord. It's time to get out of the funk and to say, okay, something's got to be different. If you are doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result, that's insanity. Something has got to be different. If in your mind you said, I know I need to read my Bible more, which I could just assume, I'm sure I'm in that category, that 50% of this room feels that right now. It's time to start reading your Bible more, right? Why live year after year thinking I should read more, I should pray more, yeah, I, should, I should really focus on God more. Do it. It's time. But allow God to drive you to praise instead of remaining in your problem. It's, it's time. Church, it's time to praise God been a tough couple of years in our society but it's time to stop talking about the problems and to begin praising God on a regular basis that our fellowship should be filled of course with how's it going sure things are hard this and that but here's what God is doing here's this scripture that I held on to I don't have any good news except the good news of Jesus and I'm going to share that with you right now but we have good news we have things to praise God about we have to stop being ruled by the problems God is bigger than we think he is in these yeah. moments. So let's, we're going to go through today Psalm 23 as we close out and talk about who God is and what God uh, is doing in our life and, and, and really getting perspective on God. And we're going to do this exercise together just a little bit. So Psalm 23, if you have a Bible, turn over to it. If you don't have a Bible, we'll have the words up there. They're also over there on the wall. Um, we're, we really like Psalm 23 here. <laughs> the Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. We're going to make this part a little bit interactive. When you hear those words, what does that make you think about God? The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. What does that make you think about God? Security. Security. Say it again. Provider. Provider. Protection. Protection. He desires good for me. Absolutely. All right, the next line. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. What does that make you think about God? Guides. Guides. He's a guide. He refreshes, refreshes. yeah. Companionship. Companionship. A closeness. Peace. He offers us peace. He guides me along the right paths for his namesake. Leadership. Leadership. Guide, probably, <laughs> again. He guides me. <coughs> Leadership. He's with us every step of the way. His words comfort us, guide us. Say that again. Integrity. Yeah, he sticks with it. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. What this make you think about God? huh? Yeah, companion, sticking with us. Say it again. Tough battles. The darkest valley, the valley of the shadow of death, as we kind of know from this passage, is with us in those moments, in the heat, in those moments where we're being refined, where we're going through that, he's with us. What about uh, your rod and your staff, they comfort me? Discipline. Humility. Humility. Getting back on the right path that he's, he's there, and there's a comfort in that. Say it again. A gratitude, yeah. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You unite my head with oil, and my cup overflows. A God of abundance. Yeah, what'd you say? Same thing, abundance. A, say it again. He's an avenger. Yeah. <laughs> That's right, absolutely. <laughs> the, the, the ultimate avenger, yeah, that he's, he's with us, that he's aware of our issues. He's generous. He's generous. Our cup overflows. Um, there's a, another psalm I've been reading. It talks about his inher- my inheritance in him is great. right? What I have in him is great. And that's an important reminder. My cup overflows. And then lastly, surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. This makes make you think about God. Promise keeper, way maker. He's working for the good. Patient, Patient, never quits on us. So what we're going to do, we're going to pray this psalm and uh, together at the end we'll we'll all say amen together and that'll be the end of our our service and we'll, we'll close with a song. Father God, Lord, you are our shepherd. In you, Father God, we lack nothing. You are provider. You provide what we need. You know our needs. You enter into our lives. God, you make us lie down in green pastures, aware of our life and our needs and our desires, and you fulfill. God, you lead us beside quiet waters, and you refresh our soul. God, we thank you for being a God who refreshes who replenishes, who gives us what we need, and who guides us along the way. Father, you guide us along the right path for your name's sake. God, we praise you for guiding us, for entering into our lives, for stepping in and showing us the way to go through your son, Jesus, and walking with us. We thank you for your leadership, God. Even though we walk through, and some in this room are going through the valley of the shadow of death, even as we walk through the darkest valleys, God. We have no reason to fear evil because you are with us. You are our companion. You are with us. You are Emmanuel, God with us. And we fear no evil. You know the hard things that we're going through. And you're with us. Your rod and your staff comfort us, God, through humility, through discipline, through guidance. We are grateful for your comfort through your guiding rod and staff in our life. Father, you prepare a table before us in the presence of our enemies. You anoint our head with oil and in you our cup overflows. God, we have everything we need for a life of godliness in you. You provide for us, God. You give to us as we seek your kingdom and your righteousness, God. You will give us all things, all that we need. You know. You are an avenger. You watch over us, aware of what we need. Lastly, God... Surely your goodness and your love will follow us all the days of our life that we will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. We have every reason to praise you, every reason to lift up your name, no matter the problem, no matter the issue. You are with us all the days of our life, God. You will never forsake us. You will never abandon us. You will never turn from us. You will never withhold your love for us, God. We praise you and thank you that you are a God who never quits, who never throws in the towel, who never ends. You love us with an unending and an undying love. We praise you, God. We will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Forever and ever, we pray together. Amen. 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 Let's stand and sing one more song.